Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Crash the Net. And this is episode two of the weekend show, Up the Wing, with my co-host, Dylan Sobo. Dylan, how you feeling? Pretty good today, Mikey. The weekend was good, nice and relaxing. Kick it off the week pretty solid. Um, yeah, weekend games were fun to watch. A lot of games on Saturday, a couple games on Sunday, and uh, thankfully a nice Bolts win tonight, but we'll cover that um, later on in next week's show. But yeah, ready to kick off these this uh, weekend review. Yeah, uh, we're going to start off on a high note here. The New Jersey Devils take down the Pittsburgh Penguins on the road 4-2. to The first goal of the evening coming from Pittsburgh's Danton Heinen, assisted by Aston Reese and Ricola. 12-23 into the first, making it 1-0 Pittsburgh. And New Jersey will answer back. Andreas Johnson, his second of the season, assisted by Bratton Hamilton. 19-23 into the first, ties it up at 1. It's 1-1 at the end of 1. Going into the second period, Jimmy Vesey gets his second of the season, making it 2-1 Devils. 17-57 into the second on a shorthander. Uh, no more goals being scored there in the second. Third period starts off with a Brock McGinn goal, assisted by Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese. Uh, at 2.02 of the third, tied 2-2. Two two. And then New Jersey just answers back. Jesper Brat with his first of the season unassisted. 3-2 New Jersey, 17 minutes into the third. And then Andreas Johnson gets his second, 18, or, yeah, second of the evening, third of the season, assisted by P.K. Subban, his first assist of the season. 4-2 Devils, 18-17 into the third on a wrist shot. Nothing can complain about here, man. Really good goal scoring, really good uh, really good progress from the Devils here. Yeah, great goal scoring for the Devils. Unfortunately, both sides of the ice here, not much doing on either, either power play, obviously. Pens, I, I believe, 0 for 5. And Devils 0 for 2 obviously didn't get as many more many looks as the Penguins, but obviously that tends to happen with the Penguins. They're playing at home. Uh, end of the day, big win for New Jersey. Could have had a couple more there. Um, a lot of shots got in on, on that goaltender, and a few of them squeaked by. But, um, yeah, just a touch wide. But, yeah, this game could have easily been 6-2, to two, no problem. Yeah, absolutely. You see that uh, New Jersey kind of faltered on the face-off percentage, 47.7 to Pittsburgh's 52.3. You know, they've always, uh, you know, at the beginning of the regular season, they haven't really been doing well on the face-off, so there's no surprise there. But with a lot of shots on goal and uh, more accurate shots being thrown into the back of the net, 4-2 Devils, I mean, like, can't, can't fault the Devils here. They they took it to the Penguins and they took it to them at, on the road in their own uh, in their own arena. Next up, the Blues take down the Blackhawks at home. Uh, a little shutout here, one nothing. Thirty seven shots compared to the Blackhawks, twenty five. The lone goal coming from Tori Krug, assisted by Vladimir Tarasenko and David Perron, coming seven twenty five into the third on a power play goal. One nothing, Tory Krug. Uh, what what else can you say? No, just a goaltending show in this one. You know, end of the day, Flurry comes up empty, but Bennington, another fantastic game played by him. Um, looking forward to a great season by the Blues again. Are we gonna see a repeat of a couple years back when they won it all? Who knows? 
they're starting off really solid, only losing one game. Uh, they come up with a, sh a shutout against the Blackhawks here. It looks like a dominant run. We'll see what happens. They they could be playoff contenders, but it all the like like we always say, it's the beginning of the regular season. There's still a lot of hockey left to play. Anything can happen. The sky's the limit here. Exactly, but all the pieces are there. You know, as long as all the pieces stay healthy, hopefully, you know, you'll you'll end up seeing this team at the top of the Western Conference. But it is early. We will see. But again, the Blackhawks is chilling there at the bottom. Yep. Another uh, Blackhawks loss there. They're right there on top of the Arizona Coyotes. Unfortunately, they are, aren't really able to have yeah, any not, winning not games as well for either either team there. But you know, it's, like I said, still a lot of hockey left to play. We'll see what goes on as the season continues. Next on the agenda, we got the Bruins taking the 3-2 sh uh, shootout win against the Florida Panthers. This is a big win for Boston. Florida being one of the top teams in the league right now. Uh, Boston takes them down. It took a shootout to do it, but they still, you know, wins a win. Both teams come out with the point. Charlie Coyle opens up first, his third of the season, 1918 into the first. Uh, Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar get the assist. No more goals scored there in the first period. Anthony Duclair, he's starting to become a big force over in Florida, assisted by Carter Verhage and Aaron Ekblad. 47 seconds into the second, tying it at one. And then the third period rolls on, and, you know, the major goal scorer for Florida, Alexander Barkov, his fifth of the season on a power play goal, 749 into the third, assisted by Uberdo and Ekblad. Then uh, McAvoy gets his first um, tying the game up at two on a power play goal, 13-35 into the third, and then they go into this uh, this shootout. Three saves off the bat, saved from Huberto, DeBrusque, and Barkov. Charlie Coyle gets the goal. Owen Tippett gets saved. You know, not it, that just comes to the one-on-one -on -one with the goaltender. A lot of uh, positive hockey here. A lot of uh, great moments. Yeah, exactly right. A lot of action there on the power play late in the game. This one was a fun closeout to watch. And Spencer Knight, you know, ends up the one being responsible for for the for the one point given up this entire year for the Panthers. Yeah. Stellar run by them, and of course a fantastic goaltender in Spencer Knight. But unfortunately, just couldn't get the job done tonight. Bruins take this one at home. Yep. On to the next. We got the Flames taking the shutout on the at home against the Philadelphia Flyers. A big shutout here for nothing. As I've said, Sean Monahan, big force over there in Calgary, gets his first of the season, assisted by Anderson and Lindholm on a power play goal, 9.07 into the second, with no goals being scored in the first. Matthew Kachuk gets his third of the season, assisted by Lindholm and Monahan. Uh, power play goal, 8.30 into the third, 2 nothing Calgary. Um, we got Mikhail Backlund who scores on an empty netter 16-11 into the third. I don't even know why they pulled the goaltender that, that early. That's like f with four minutes left. I would expect to pull the goaltender with a minute left and keep the man advantage. 3 nothing Calgary, and then Johnny Goudreau gets his second, assisted by Tanev and Kylington, putting an end to the Philadelphia Flyers at home, 18-01 into the third. Jacob Markstrom, Sean Monahan, and Elias Lindholm, the three stars of the game for Calgary. 
Yeah, I wish Markstrom put up numbers like this when he was on the Canucks, but obviously turns out anybody who's a goaltender over there just happens to you just dwindle. Your numbers just simply dwindle. And Calgary's really putting up a great fight. This one was amazing for the Saddle Dome. It's always fun to watch that arena explode. And as far as the Flyers go, they they're just they're just down bad in this one, you know. Yeah, you you see here they have 36 shots on goal compared to Philly's 20. They're not doing so hot on the faceoff percentage as they they fall 46.9 to Philly's 53.1. But the power play is in, insane for Calgary at least. They're two for five as opposed to fl the Flyers 0 for three. A lot of action here. Not not too many hits. 21 total. 10 for Philly. 11 for Calgary. But, you know, Calgary outshot Philadelphia. They really took it to them, and they might be a force to be reckoned with if they were to go a full seven against Philadelphia. Philadelphia just couldn't seem to do anything on the ice against Calgary here. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, Calgary's really, really playing well, sitting amazingly at the top of the Pacific with uh, Edmonton bearing down. Yeah, man, they I I've always told you I don't see anything wrong with Sean Monahan and Johnny Goudreau over there in uh, in Calgary. So expect them to do big things, especially with Mark Giordano gone. So when they play, they play. When uh, they don't play, Flames feeling. Absolutely, absolutely, big statement there. Uh, next, we got the Oilers against the Canucks. The Oilers taking the two to one win on the road. Warren Fogle and Leon Drysidle get the two goals for. Edmonton, Darnell Nurse, and Eric Bouchard on the assist for the Fogel goal uh, on a power play, 11:39 into the first, and Drysidel coming into the second, 19:20. As a matter of fact, on a power play goal, uh, going into the third, Brock Besser gets his second of the season, assisted by J.T. Miller and Bo Horvat, 19:53 in the third. Like we've always said, a li too little, too late. You know, they they could have done a lot more going into the first and, and the second period, but, you know, they come up empty. Yeah, Canucks struggling on this one as well, and you got to give credit to the big man um, back in their net is uh, Koskinen for Edmonton. Yep. You know, Canucks taking 30 shots and Koskinen only allowing one. Absolutely fantastic. Face-off percentage dead even. And then as far as the power play goes, you know, Vancouver's just a struggle in there. You know, you take the penalties, you pay for it. Edmonton flawless on the night. Yep, two for two on their power play. Uh, absolutely flawless, as you said. There, there's nothing that Vancouver could do. I mean, like, they, they could have perfected their, their face-offs a little better than Edmonton in the first and second period that probably would have given them a little bit of a drive uh, they really needed to force themselves into the offensive zone but they you know they couldn't do anything there Edmonton controlled the game their power play was phenomenal their face-offs were 50-50 they stayed out of the box more not a lot of hitting come out, coming out of Edmonton compared to Vancouver's 25 but overall a, a decent showing for Edmonton this might be the year they actually make a playoff run. Who knows? We'll see. Next up, we have the Sharks taking the 2-1 win at home against the Winnipeg Jets. In an overtime game, 
So it was a pretty even game. You know, Tomas Hurdle opened up the scoring for San Jose, his third of the season, assisted by Meyer and Barbanov. 54 seconds into the second, making a 1-0 San Jose. Kyle Connor, the big man over in Winnipeg, scores his seventh, assisted by Ehlers and Dubois, 16-48 into the third. And then Timo Meyer comes out with the overtime winner, 107 into overtime on a power play goal. And, you know, that power play hurt. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, geez, Jets just couldn't get anything doing, you know. The first period, you come up empty. Second period, you come up empty. Third period, you get one back. So, it, I mean, at least they won the third. But end of the day, the, the energy just wasn't there to, to push through overtime and unfortunately come up with the loss there. Steal the point, though, playing away. Yep. So good there, yep. at least. Both teams get but, the point. But, yeah, this is a hot, hot Sharks team. Extremely hard to beat, especially over there at S&P Center. Did you see who is in net for San Jose? James Reimer in net. First star of the night for San Jose. The veteran of the league goaltender here gets first star of the night here for San Jose. It's former uh, Panther, right? Yeah. Okay. Connor yeah, Hellebuck. Pretty decent. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck also gets uh, second star of the night. So. Yeah, goaltending show in terms of that nature. Yeah, it's not every day that you see uh, a goaltending show going on. Connor Hellebuck showing out, as well as James Reamer. Timo Meyer ended up as the third star of the game for San Jose. So, pretty good moment for Timo. So, if I, I don't really know the, the Sharks roster off, off of the bat, but um, if James Reimer is the backup, who's their starter? It's not, it's not Martin Jones anymore, is it? I don't know, to be honest with you. I can take a look at know. it. But I it's don't. something. It's something we gotta we we, we can look no, out for. Uh, we will revisit. The starter is Aiden Hill. I've heard the first name. You know what? I think he used to play for the Coyotes he back did. in the day. Yeah, he played for the Coyotes. Uh, four years, as I a matter of fact, started in. Average. Yep, started in 2017. Finished with them in the 2020-21 season. Um. You know, he like you said, he is average. He in twenty twenty, the twenty twenty one season, nine wins, nine losses. Um twenty nineteen, twenty season, uh, two wins, four losses. The year before, seven wins, five losses, and the year before that one one uh win and three losses. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They were way better off when they were playing Dell. Yeah, I mean, like, even with Martin Jones, he wasn't that bad of a goaltender. No, I enjoyed watching him play because there was a playoff series where it was Sharks, Preds, and I want to say it was a Western Conference final or possibly a division final. I can't remember which one, but it was it was one of the two. And that one went into, like, a triple OT, and Martin Jones really came through, hung in there. But I think Philip Forsberg is the one that put that one away. Yeah. Nick. Oh man, what a what a great guy to watch. Absolutely. I mean, I miss Martin Jones. I'm actually surprised that they got rid of him. He was set to be the starter. 
and they just let him go. Something like he just panned out, and then all of a sudden, like his name was mentioned, name was mentioned, name might have been mentioned, kind of quiet, and then all of a sudden, just nothing. Yeah, unfortunate. Uh, next on the agenda, we got the Nashville Predators taking the 3-2 win at home against the New York Islanders. A lot of back-and-forth hockey being played. Anthony Beauvillier opens the scoring for New York, uh, assisted by Bailey and Barzal, 14-46 into the first on a power play goal, 1-0 New York. The second period, Nashville would not go down easy. Tanner Janot assisted by Dylan Fabro and Colton Sizzes. 654 into the second on a snapshot ties the game up at one and then uh, you got Oliver Wallstrom who uh, breaks the tie here 1204 into the second on a power play goal 2-1 New York and then Tanner Joe uh, Tanner Janot would uh, answer back in the third period 1148 into the third ties it up at two on a deflected shot nothing happening in OT they go to the shootout Philip Forsberg and Roman Yossi come up with the two goals for Nashville. Put them up 3-2 against the New York Islanders. Like I said, a good back-and-forth game here. Just New York left it to the goaltender, and that's something you just can't do. Yeah, exactly. Even the Islanders, and we all know that this is an extremely tough team to beat, um, especially when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, hard-hitting, and stuff like that. Um <laughs> Came up 50% on the power play, two for four. Preds come up empty here. So automatically both their goals come from the power play. And even with an empty power play from Nashville, it still wasn't enough to beat them. Tough game played. Credit to UC Saros. Dude's really been killing it. Yep, on two goals allowed, you know, it just came down to the goaltenders right there at the end. And it showed that... You know, it was going to be a show of who was going to give up a goal first. Yeah, I get it. A lot of Nashville fans in this one, you know, you got to put the blame on your goaltender, but not always is that the case. On your penalty kill, you can't allow your goaltender to be making those stops consistently. It is mentally tiring for the fans. It's mentally tiring for the bench. And you just can't leave your goaltender hanging like that. You know, it's... It's you got to work together as a team, got to get those defensive blocks in front and just get that puck out as fast as you can. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was just talking about that when you don't do anything in overtime and you leave it into the shootout, you're leaving your the fate of the game in the goaltender's hands. So you, you can blame your defenseman yeah. first, but overall it's your goaltender to blame in the end because it's it's his pad it's his blocker it's his glove that's going to stop the next puck from coming in it's one-on-one so it's yeah shootouts are completely different i mean shootouts is you pretty much just have to buy your goaltender a stake at the end of the day yep unfortunately that's not the case for the montreal canadians as they fall two to five against the la kings on the road josh anderson opening the scoring for montreal assisted by dvorak and romanov 18-22 into the first it's one nothing montreal going into the second victor arvidson gets his second of the season for la assisted by kopitar and mata 431 into the second ties it at one and then kaliev will get his first of the season assisted by clegg and kopitar 12-19 into the second on a power play 2-1 kings then kupari will get his uh, second goal of the season assisted by wa and ayafalo 
153 into the third on a power play goal. 3-1 Kings. Ayafalo gets his second goal of the season, assisted by Wah. 537 into the third. 4-1 Kings. Ayafalo again his third, assisted by Deneau and Kapari. 14-16 into the third on a power play goal. And then Sherratt for the Canadians scores 17-40 into the third on a rear shot. 5-2 Kings. Again, another game of too little, too late. This is a game where you have to play to your strengths and not your weaknesses. Montreal has been playing too much to their weaknesses and have not been playing at all to their strengths. That they don't show that they're showing that their Stanley Cup final appearance was a fluke. They're showing it this season. They didn't lose as many key pieces as the Lightning did or as any other team did. I mean, I know that they got hit with the cap circumvention uh, with them being over the cap space. I'm pretty sure that they were. I think I heard that they were like 8 or $9 million over the cap before the playoffs. So they're getting hit there, but you know what? They they only lost. Who did they really lose? Just Barry Kotkaniemi. They didn't lose Shea Weber. Oh, the no. Yeah, I mean, Dano, but Dano is in L.A., and uh, L.A. hasn't really been in a playoff spot since 2012. So Yeah, I guess, but Dano was on the Canadians, and they lost him to to the Kings. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, either team hasn't really been in a playoff spot in in a while, and Dano is not going to make that much of a difference. I mean, I know he's... No, he, I, thought he, I thought he played well. No, in, yeah. In the, I'm not saying game, he didn't. In the cup run that they had. No, yeah, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm, I'm just saying that they're showing that their appearance there was a fluke because they didn't lose as many key pieces as most teams did. Like, they didn't lose... Oh, a, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like, they didn't lose a Yanni Gord. They didn't lose... Um, a Tyler Johnson. They didn't. They like didn't. Literally half of your third line. Like they literally lost. Yeah, they didn't. Both nearly lost half of the team. They didn't lose Barkley Goudreau. They didn't lose Blake Coleman. They didn't lose any any star players like that. They lost Philip Deneau and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. You know, like they booed Kotkaniemi when uh, he scored a goal against them playing for the Hurricanes. It's showing that their appearance there was a fluke. They were a wild card. I thought they were like, what were they? They were like a a, a ninth seed or something like that. Oh, it was the the worst one. They they how many teams were there in the playoffs? Sixteen. I believe so. Yeah, sixteen teams in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure they were number sixteen. <laughs> Just goes to show. But, you know, your three stars of the game, Alex Ayafalo, Rasmus Kapari, and Tobias Bjorn fought. All Kings players, all your three stars of the night. 38 shots compared to the Canadians. 28. Big win for L.A. Nice uh, clinic that they put on. 61.5 their face-off percentage compared to Montreal's embarrassing 38.5. Kings... Dominant on the power play, 3 for 5. Montreal's 0 for 3. A lot of hitting here from Montreal, though. 32 hits compared to LA's 16. So a a lot of great takeaways here, but, you know, LA just controlled the game and put on a clinic. Yeah, absolutely. I actually watched this game in full, and I really enjoyed, and I, I fortunately got lucky, 
but I love the day before this game occurred, I mentioned how much I liked Ayafalo on this roster. Yep. And yep. thankfully, this is the game where he comes through. And usually he does it, I would say, maybe once a month this happens. But when when you need him to show up, he shows up, and he showed up in a big way here in the third period with, I believe, two power play goals. Yep. Big win here. Big big moments for Ayafalo. Great play. Great playing on in this game. Not so great for the Red Wings as they fall four to five against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Jake Muzzin, his first of the season, assisted by TJ Brody and John Tavares, nineteen forty six into the first one nothing Toronto. Uh, Philip Zadina scores his second of the season, assisted by Cider and Gagne, eight nineteen into the second on a wrist shot power play goal, tied at one. Michael Bunting, assisted by Spezza and Nick Ritchie here, 1942 into the second on a power play goal, 2-1 to one, Toronto. Third period, Alex Kerfoot, 17 seconds into the third. That's got to be some kind of a record, 17 seconds in. 3-1 Toronto. Ooh, close to it. I don't know if it's a record, but I know it's close to it. I think the record is 14. Yeah, it's it's something like that in the in the teens there. Uh, Joe Valeno is the next Red Wing to get a goal here. Uh, his first of the season assisted by Rasmussen, 136 into the third, 3-2 Toronto. John Tavares gets a, another goal here, uh, 747 into the third. A lot of back and forth in the Mesnikov, his fourth of the season assisted by Valeno and Osterle, 10-11 into the third. Mitch Marner gets his first of the season, 1755 into the third. 5-3 Toronto, and then Philip Rone gets his first of the season. Jeez, you would expect these big namers to to have goals already. I'm surprised that Mitch Marner gets his first last night. Or Saturday yeah, night, I'm Leafs, sorry. Yeah, Leafs, Biggs names, uh, they, they really haven't been getting the job done when they need to show up. Um, Jake Muzzin, he's one of the guys who's able to put the puck into the night. He just got his first yep. in that specific game. And, yeah, uh, Mitch Marner as well, who I believe – I don't think Marner was the one who re-signed for that big contract, but somebody on the Leafs re-signed huge contract for about eight years, $56 million. Yep. And then Hronik, I'm surprised. Hronik is usually a good star player for uh, for Detroit. I'm surprised that he's getting his first here. Usually he's already got a goal under his belt this early in the season, but we'll see what takes place after this. Yeah, absolutely. Tough loss here for Detroit, though. You know, just just couldn't come through. Didn't get started quite quick enough as, as fast as they needed to in this one. Obviously, fantastic third period for each of these teams. Dead even there on the power play. And we've got to keep an eye on Detroit because Detroit started out the season extremely good with a fantastic fantastic record and yep. now i believe they they lost this one and they also lost the one before this so they got a a hefty two-game losing streak on their on their belt with, yep. with a couple more um creeping up behind them i know they have two uh, shootout losses yeah un- but unfortunately you know toronto uh outscores them in two out of the three periods looks like they laid back there in the third but they put on the they put on the shots 14 into the first uh, 14 shots in the first, 16 in the second. Uh, they outshoot Detroit, and then Detroit just puts it on in the third period, uh, shooting 13 pucks. Just uh, not many of them going in. 
On to the next one. The Wild fall 1-4 to four against the Colorado Avalanche on the road. Avalanche get one of their first home wins in a little bit. Gabriel Landeskog scores first for Colorado, assisted by Burakovsky and McKinnon. Then Ryan Hartman scores for uh, Minnesota, assisted by Felino and Dumba on a power play goal, 16-54 into the second, ties the game up at one. Eric Johnson gets his first of the season, assisted by McKinnon and Landeskog, 17-34 into the second on a wrist shot, 2-1 Colorado. And then uh, Colorado just lays it on in the third period with two goals, one from Nazem Kadri, assisted by Landeskog and Comfort, 254 into the third on a power play goal uh, slap shot here, 3-1 to one Colorado. Then Gabe Landeskog ends the, se- ends the game with a, a goal, his fourth of the season, assisted by Comfort and Johnson on an empty netter, 17-48 into the third, putting the nail in the coffin on this game. 4-1 Colorado, your final. Yeah, this one was just a Colorado top line and second line show. You know, JT Comfort putting up two points and Gabriel Landeskog showing up when when your team needs him most with four points on the night. Um, Yeah, unbelievable play from him. And then, of course, on defense, you had the Johnson & Johnson family company show. Yep. Um, Yeah, their defense was great. I was really impressed with their play in this one. And then as far as stats that jump out at me, for the most part, I mean, just everybody converts at least one time on the power play. You know, they had their opportunities. A lot of penalty minutes for the Wild. Obviously, they're pretty much known for that. Yep. But end of the day, it hurts them, and Colorado comes out on top. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, I see the 21 penalty minutes coming from Minnesota, 6 from Colorado. Uh, a lot of hitting here, 23 from Minnesota and 20 from Colorado. I'm actually surprised more so not to see Kirill Kaprizov on the score sheet. Yeah, he has his numbers, though, just not recently. I haven't heard his name recently because usually when I hear his name, I mention the jersey. Haven't heard his name recently because I haven't talked about the jersey recently. (laughs) I know you're trying to get another one. I know. You don't got to rub it in. You got money. I know. Hey, listen, listen. All of my jerseys... Yeah, all of my jerseys are bolts or former bolts. So be thankful I'm I'm expanding my my horizons repertoire. <laughs> and then we'll get over into the Halloween games. We hope everybody had a wonderful Halloween. I know I spent uh time with the people closest to me. Uh Dylan, how was your Halloween? So, I actually heard from uh, a radio show one one uh, 100.7 The Mix and obviously Laura wasn't in this morning but I, I heard Brody talking about on my way over the Howard Franklin Bridge and he said to a buddy of his on the show he said how many trick-or-treaters did you get so Mike I'm curious how many trick-or-treaters did you get because we decorated we decorated the outside lights were on everything like that so it wasn't like we were turning away, like like all the lights were now, you know. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like we were turning away people. So I'm curious, how many trick or treaters did you get? We had to be at least in the in the hundreds because we always overfill our uh, our bucket, and there was hardly anything left when I saw it last. And mind you, we don't have any decorations up, like. We we used to be that, that type of family where we had, 
you know, we had Halloween decorations up out front, and then when the the season changed to, to Christmas, we had our Christmas decorations and the lights up. Now we're just that family that's, like, too lazy to put up their decorations and their lights. <laughs> we see it as, like, a waste of time. We're going to keep it up there all year. But, um... We we got that many trick or treaters just without any decorations or lights at all. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. We had two. You had two. Wow. Two. That was it. He two was, people. He, and I'm like, thankfully, thankfully, we're we're like the full size candy bar. We we don't play around people. You, no, you know so, what I you know what I usually like to do. I usually and, and you you can call me sugar crazed or whatnot. I usually, on Halloween, I turn the lights off out front so nobody comes in. My family buys all that candy, and me and the family sit there and watch a lot of horror movies with all the candy to ourselves. That's not bad. That's <laughs> not bad. We're usually the, the horror movie yeah. um, the horror movie type, but with the, the sports on, the World Series on, obviously, we, we opted for that this year. Yep. But um yeah most of the, most of the time it's um it's a horror movie or, or so I did mention Halloween four didn't get around to it but uh, yeah gonna, that would be my choice for sure I'm gonna save you a lot of time money and effort do not go see this movie do not just I, I know it's a classic but this one just sucked and I'm sorry for everybody who's it's a Halloween fan it is that bad because they hype even in interviews they hype the that it's supposed to be the end. It's supposed to be the end of the series. And big things are supposed to... I'm not going to spoil it for anybody if anybody's going to watch it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it again. It was uh, two and a half hours of my time wasted that I'll never get back. Because... Wow. Um, yeah. In interviews, the guy who plays my, uh, who plays Michael Myers says you know what this is the uh th this is the time where you know my michael might just go away and uh there's he, no such thing and, as the legend going away no but he was saying like the legend has to die at some point he goes i'm getting i think he said something about getting too old for the role and, and wanting to just uh i think he said something about wanting to relax and and retire peacefully and stuff like that and i get it but i mean don't hype the audience yeah. to think that that's gonna happen and then the complete opposite happens and it, it's not really a shock to me anymore it's it's the you know don't 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 oh. it's don't lie to the people don't lie to the people and say that it's gonna be the end when it's not I know that. Interesting. It, I like that take. I actually like that take. I'm. Um, I'm just saying, man. Like, are, are you? Are you? Are you like a diehard like like Halloween series fan? Yeah. Like I. I used to like the hype and like. The old ones were the great ones, and now the new ones were they're like they're. I guess that they're trying to kill Michael off, which I mean, like. In, I mean, from, it's not gonna work. No, but I'm saying, they. If I spoil anything, it's that they have every. It's it's like every other horror movie. They have every opportunity to kill the bad guy. And they, they, they falter. 
But it's, that's the horror movie part I, of it. I'm, it's the whole commercial. There's the commercial. I know. It's the, the people. Like I, I mean, that's the way it is. You got to plan for it. I'm I'm just saying it's dumb to me. Where you know it's the 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 dumb person that trips over their own feet, running from mm-hmm. Michael Myers, and he magically, mysteriously appears behind them while he's walking at like. Slower than walking pace. Slower than yeah, of course. S- slower. You know why? Because off screen he, he's running, sweating, dying. Yeah, leaping he, fences because the man's like six four, he, and then the the, the on screen is walking. He walks. You know how it is. He walks. He's just walking. Yeah. And then off screen he's like. <laughs> yeah. He he walks slower than traffic on I four. <laughs> <laughs> That is the best way that I can put it. You want you want to talk about how yeah you want to talk about how slow this man walks while somebody falls over their own feet, and he's just there, like how the hell did you catch up to me? He's like not gonna lie to you, but I walk faster than everybody who drives an I (laughs) four. Basically, how that works. Think about it in terms of like people in a horror movie, like with the ability to get in a running car. Yeah. Oh, like there's there's four people. It'd be myself and three others, right? So you figure two in the front, two in the back, right? Yeah. But right. there's only one in the back. I'm walking, right? Yeah. So it's like I'm not getting in the car. I'm a walk, right? And so yeah. they hit the I four traffic, and Michael gets them, and then here's me walking next to the car, I'm like bye guys. Yeah. No, like <laughs> I'm glad I'm not with you. No, like it. Horror movies nowadays are not trying to do the same stupid stuff that they did back in the day where somebody trips and falls over their own feet or, you know, they go hide in here. Like, the dumbest thing that you see in horror movies now is that they go towards the noise where something ominous lurks. It's it's different now. Like, The Purge and The Purge Anarchy and the series of The Purge they don't oh, the do first series was great. Yeah, they don't do anything like that. They don't do any of this stupid stuff. They make it well, more it makes sense because exactly it's they make it more realistic and relatable. Where Michael Myers, they just do the same old thing, and you can't. Yeah, lie. but that's the way the classic was. I'm just you saying know, it's a, a classic stalking case. It's, it's and that's why with the legend, it's like stalking never goes away. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's, it's always going to be at the back of your mind. It's like how he's always depicted in the back of a room, in the back of somewhere. And I get it. Because stalking is always in the back of your mind. I get it, but I mean, like, it, it's a new day and age. You can't just keep doing the same thing. In the 70s, 80s, 90s, sure. But in today's day and age, you want something fresh and you want something new. And when you tease Michael dying to the public, you got to make it happen. And it's gotta be well, good. Well, I mean, and it's you, gotta you be good. different ways. I'm just saying, it's gotta be. If you're gonna end Michael Myers, it's gotta be good. It's gotta be gory. So, it's gotta be in your face. It's gotta be like, yeah, you know, they finally freaking got him after all this damn time. They finally did it. <laughs> but you know, like that. I, like I said, it, it was a waste of time for me. I, it was a two hours, two and a half hours. I won't get back. Just right, saying. Back, 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 back to hockey. That was that was our Halloween 
you know, movie take. It was take. a Halloween edition. Excited for our Thanksgiving edition. Yep. Excited for our Christmas edition. Yep. And even the small holidays, you know, we, we got to include those as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on. We're moving on to the Halloween games. That's what we were jumping into the Halloween spirit about. Where uh, the Devils, unfortunately, take the 3-4 to four loss at home. You would think on Halloween and being named the Devils that... Uh, they would win this game at home, but they don't. They falter. And, you know, Andreas Johnson opens up the scoring, getting his fourth of the season, assisted by Bratton Subban, making it 1-0, 107 into the first. Bjorkstrand answers back with a assist from Voracek and Line on a power play goal, 11:55 into the first, tying it at 1. Line then scores his third of the season, assisted by Voracek, 14:54 into the first on a slap shot, 2-1 Columbus. Second period starts with a Dawson Mercer goal, his third of the season, assisted by Subban. 8:37 into the second on a wraparound shot, ties the game at 2. Dougie Hamilton then puts the Devils up 3-2 against uh, Columbus here, assisted by Captain Nico Heeshier and Pavel Zaka, both of those men getting their second assist of the season. 9.54 into the second, but Boone Jenner ties the game at 3. 14.35 into the third, nothing happening on in overtime. A uh, lot of saves and misses here, but Jacob Voracek will put the Devils away on a uh, the last goal of the night. So Columbus comes up big against the Devils. Yeah, some positives for the Devils to take away, you know, getting a lot of looks on net, many, many shots on goal in this one, almost put up a 40-piece. Mm-hmm. And other than that, block shots, takeaways, and giveaways pretty much dead even all the way across the board. Unfortunately, here, um, Devils come up empty on the power play. Blue Jackets convert for 50% inevitably creates the difference maker, you know? The yep. ability to tie as well as the one to put it away in the shootout. Credit to Jacob Voracek there. Yeah, big goal there for him. Um, lots of great looks from both teams. You know, Devils just faltered on, on the penalty kill. Need to do better on their special teams units. They have to come back and bounce back from it now. Uh Unfortunately, a team that won't bounce back are the Arizona Coyotes as they fall 1-2 to two on the road against Carolina. Carolina coming up big with shots on goal. Uh, we're looking at 39 compared to 23 two goals from Carolina being uh, Martin, ne- Martin Nekas. I don't know how to say his name. Nekas. Natchez. Assisted his first of the season, assisted by Tony D'Angelo and Jordan Martin. Look, I remember uh, D'Angelo having a big penalty in this game. Uh, I remember him uh, slamming his stick and whatnot in the box, having his little temper tantrum as he normally does. Sixteen fifty-seven into the second, his uh, uh, Nakish's goal. Uh, the second goal coming in the third period by Brett Pesce, assisted by Nakish and Jarvis. 1733 into the third on a power play goal. A slap shot here, 2-1 Carolina. The only goal from Arizona coming from Christian Fisher. 544 into the first, assisted by Lawson Krause and Shane Gustus Bear on a backhand shot. But overall, you know, Carolina controls the pace of the game. 64.3 on their faceoff percentage. 
like you, like you said previously, 39 shots on goal compared to Arizona's 23. Their power play was 1 for 5 as opposed to Arizona's 0 for 3. A lot of penalty minutes between both teams. 20 minutes total, 12 for Arizona and 8 from Carolina. A lot of hitting to be done here from Arizona. 28 hits uh, compared to Carolina's 13. You would think that they're trying to be a little more aggressive, but it, you know they're they're not progressing. They're not really doing much to help their case you know coyotes really put up a fight in this one you know they tried to hang in there hunting there through the third through the third period it was one to one pretty much and then with just a couple minutes to go brett pesci ends up coming up with the hero of the game here um putting arizona away and a lot of a lot a lot of sad faces in that crowd over there um, the ones who I was able to see uh, from the from the camera angle behind the net, just a lot of heads in your palms. Yeah. And unfortunate there, but um, as far as an eight and no Carolina goes, they they nearly blew it to a to a no win on the season in Arizona, which would be extremely embarrassing. Yeah, but they didn't falter at all. Uh, that was uh, no, but it got close. It got it close. Really that, got close. That was the. This is the funny thing is that remember we were saying somebody Zoe has got to go. There are only two teams now that are undefeated still, and they are the Florida Panthers at eight and zero and Carolina Hurricanes eight and zero. But Florida Ooh, leads the entire Florida league. Florida lost in a shootout. I'm oh eight and zero oh and one. I'm sorry. The Florida Panthers are have seventeen points. Carolina with 16. Florida has one game more than Carolina, which is why they're ahead. I would think that if Carolina wins their next game and Florida doesn't, Carolina would either... I'm pretty sure they'd take the lead. Yes, they would. Moving. Carolina would take the lead by one point with yep. one game in hand. Yes, sir. Moving on, we got the Ducks taking the 4-2 win at home against the Montreal Canadiens. Like we said, Montreal not starting the season off too hot. Uh, you know, just a lot of scoring chances for Anaheim. Not a lot happening for Montreal. 26 shots from Anaheim, 18 from Montreal. 28.6, an embarrassing face-off percentage for the Canadiens. 71.4, huge for the Anaheim Ducks. Both teams successful on their power play, just Anaheim a little more so. Two for six for Anaheim, one for four uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. A lot of penalty minutes being thrown here. 25 for Montreal, 10 for Anaheim. 22 hits from Anaheim, 16 from Montreal. Um, just a lot of great opportunities for the Anaheim Ducks, and I really think that Montreal's penalty minutes really did them in. Yeah, absolutely. Montreal extremely undisciplined play in this one. Um, unfortunately, the amount of time off ice, I guess you'd call it, um, and more time spent in the box really, really is what put these guys away. Um, of course, Ducks putting up pretty much better numbers all the way across the board. And the faceoffs really ended up killing them. And end of the day, four to two in the Honda Center. Yeah, you have the first goal of the night coming from Adam Henrique, his fourth of the season, assisted by Sonny Milano and Kevin Shattenkirk. Three thirty-nine into the first on a power play. Then you got Mike Hoffman uh, answering back for Montreal, assisted by Weidman and Drew. And 
412 into the first on a power play goal. And then Vinny Lettieri gets his first of the season for the Ducks, assisted by Henrik and Shattenkirk. 1247 into the first on a power play goal. Uh, 2-1 Anaheim at the end of one. Going into the second period, you got Montreal's Jake Evans scoring his first, assisted by Lekkonen and Petrie. 18:05 into the second on a wrist shot ties the game up at two. The third period comes into play for the Ducks as Troy Terry scores his fifth of the season, assisted by Getzlaff and Fowler. 10-10 into the third. And then you got Sam Carrick of Anaheim scoring his first, assisted by Fowler and Lundstrom. 18-15 to the third on an empty netter. 4-2 Anaheim. Not much that you can say here. Just Anaheim controlled this game. They showed that they were dominant, not just on the faceoffs, but they showed they were dominant on the power play. It was, they, they really walked all over Montreal. A little embarrassing face-off percentage for Montreal. Just... It's not looking too great for their season. Next up, we got the Kings taking the 3-2 win at home against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, we got Rasmus Asplund that opens up the scoring. His fourth of the season unassisted. 3.07 into the six on a shorthander. And then Victor Olofsson, 7.39 into the second on a wrist shot. 2-0 Buffalo. Then the Kings score. Carl Grundstrom, assisted by Kopitar and Bjornfot, 8.39 into the second. This is where the Kings start to make a comeback. Andre Kopitar will open the scoring in the third. His seventh, assisted by Clegg and Kemp, 4.50 into the third on a power play goal. Ties the game up at two. And then, like we were talking about earlier, Alex Iafalo, 13.41 into the third. Puts the game away for L.A., L.A. takes this win at home, makes the comeback real. 3-2 L.A. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Alex Iafalo coming up big in this one as well. Last two games played fantastic this weekend. And the the win ended up coming from the stick of Anze Kopitar. You know, the man's been playing great, really supporting his team. And I felt like the Kings could have done better on their power play. They had the amount of opportunities, like they were there. But if they did not get that one power play goal, I think this game would have been a lot different, Mikey. Yeah, one would think so. I mean, that that's really what, what we talk about all the time is staying out of the box, playing some smart hockey, pick your moments uh, wisely, choose them wisely because, you know, every moment counts. Um, make sure that when you do commit to that penalty that you make it worth it. For example, like if somebody is one-on-one -on -one with your goaltender, a hooking call isn't too bad to happen there. You'd rather take the man, uh, the man down instead of taking the goal. So um, that, that would be a perfect example of that. But, you know, uh, just staying out of the box is key here, and that's just something Buffalo couldn't do. Uh, L.A. goes 1 for 6 on their power play as Buffalo goes 0 for 2. The faceoff percentage in L.A.'s favor, 57.1 compared to Buffalo's 42.9. Uh, shots on goal were pretty different as the L.A. Kings took the 34 to 24 shot differential. Uh, 37 hits total between both teams, 20 for Buffalo, 17 for the Kings. 9 penalty minutes for the Kings and 17 for Buffalo here. 
not a strong showing for Buffalo. They were pretty aggressive, just couldn't get the job done. And the final game of the night here on up the wing, the Rangers taking the 3-1 win on the road against the new team, the Seattle Kraken. Looking at the shot differential, look at that, man. 18 shots for the Rangers, really showing their accuracy against the Kraken's 32. Chris Kreider on the first goal of the night, his seventh of the season, assisted by Barclay Goodrow, who gets his first assist of the season, 338 into the first on a wrist shot, one nothing New York. Jordan Eberle scores his second of the season in the second period, 1346 in, assisted by Schwartz and Larson, tying the game up at one. And then the Rangers would just bounce back in the third. Adam Fox, his second, assisted by Artemi Panarin, his seventh of the season, 1210 into the third. 2-1 New York. Then Barkley Goodrow would put an end to the night with an empty netter assisted by Mika Zibanejad, 18-21 into the third. 3-1 New York, your final. Yeah, Barclay Goodrow and his empty net looks it never ceases to amaze me. You know, once that goaltender is cold, that net's empty. You know, Goodrow's out there and he's looking like uh, Brandon Tenev out there, you know, deer in the headlights. We're going to talk just, about Brandon. Get that, get that puck on his stick. It's in the back of the net. That's a promise. We're just going to talk then, about one it. Thing that, one thing that was um, covered in the game that I know you did mention was the, the 32 Kraken shots. The Rangers actually had 21 block shots. So that's yeah. another pretty much another half of their um, shots that didn't even make it through to Shesterkin. This could have been much different. That, that could have been 53 total shots at Shesterkin. And, man, watching this game, it just seemed like every single time the Rangers had it in Seattle's end, it was in the net. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this uh, was heavy, heavy Seattle pressure in Shesterkin's end. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm able to see it in the play-by-play, but you know, it's pretty it's pretty hard to tell. I, I don't like looking at that thing, but um, yeah, it doesn't do its justice. That's for sure. But it definitely seemed about eighty twenty percent in favor of Seattle's offense. Yeah, what I was going to say just a little bit ago was. That's what we're going to talk about every single episode now. Brandon Tanev looking like a deer in the headlights. That has become the like one of the number one topics. <laughs> one of the number one topics on this show is Brandon Tanev looking like a deer in the headlights. Topic. Number two topic. <laughs> What's number, number one? Number one topic is how many memes of Yanni and pumpkins I have sent you. Because you claim this man is not called a pumpkin. I, I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. I haven't How seen it. How have you not seen it? There's gourds all over my I'm Twitter, not, man. I'm not looking at social media every minute of my day. You know, I got I got class that I got to work. I've been, I've been knee deep in classwork. I have had so many interviews and everything that I've had to get done. There's just so much going on in my life right now. That this is why the the podcast ended up being today on Monday instead of uh, yesterday. That and Halloween. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But yeah, my Twitter is filled with gourds with gourds. I I, I thought that I thought the number one topic would be your Arizona Coyotes just faltering. <laughs> <laughs> Me? How am I supposed to know? This would be a lot different if they had Darcy Kemper. I would think. 
But those, those are the final. It's like I literally, I picked it, and then the day after was traded. I'm like, well, there goes that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> it was like literally the day after, but I'm sticking with it. You know, anything can happen. Yeah. As of right now, the Coyotes are pretty much two wins away from being tied with Montreal. Yeah, just. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. You just got to keep creeping their way up the central. I got a trade proposal in my fantasy hockey league here. They want to trade me Martin Nakish and David Pasternak for Braden Point. I don't think that's Honestly, a, that wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be bad. But I don't really but have... But then you also have to think about, okay, using two powerhouses to fill the slot of one person. Yeah, I, and I don't really have firm faith in Martin Akish. You should. I, I, I mean... Natchez is definitely that guy, because I'm thinking about it. I feel like he's more of a... you have Natchez, and you have Pesci. But besides that, on Carolina, there's not many other powerhouses like... A Landeskog for Colorado, you know what I'm saying? Who's gonna put up like four points in yeah, one but, game? But still, isn't he like a third line center? I don't. He gets the minutes here. Let me see if I can see his box score. He gets the minutes, but I mean, like, I could really use David Pasternak more than Martin uh, Nakish. I feel you. Where is he? Nakish, right here. Nakish. Seventeen minutes time on ice. That's pretty much the third most, fourth, fifth maybe, for third to fifth most on his team. That's not terrible. Not terrible, but it's not really needed, especially when you put him with David Pasnog. It's not. I want the one guy. I don't want the other. And losing exactly. Bra- and losing Brandon Point for David Pasnog isn't really that great either, especially because you know that Boston probably isn't gonna do that well. You know. That they haven't had that great of a season already, so I don't think. Unless if you counter the trade, and you give Braden Point and like one other dude doing absolutely nothing, and then you're able to make the room for both of them. But I don't feel like just giving up one player is worth it because then you're benching points. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, and then also you're gonna get ruined when Boston plays the Hurricanes in the same game. Yeah, I mean, and there's not really anybody that I can throw anyone's way. I mean, I I could throw Montour, but Montour even does some something as a defenseman. I've got Marshan, Bergeron. What team is Montour on now? Is he still on the Ducks? No, he's on the Panthers. Oh, good. Oh, what a pickup. Yeah. So, I mean, like... I got good Johnny Goudreau from Calgary, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, Pavel Buchnevich, uh, Logan Couture, Joel Erickson Egg, Yegor Sharangovich, Jesperi Kotkinyemi, JT Comford, Darnell Nurse, Brent Burns, Mikhail Sergachev, Colton Pareko, Cam Fowler, Braden Point, Oliver Ekman Larson, Matt Dumba, Nino Niederreiter, Brad, uh, Brandon Montour, Ryan Johansson, Elvis Merzlikens, uh, Semyon Varlamov, and Chris Dreger. Yeah, you can't really toss anybody. Yeah, can't really toss anybody there. Who has Eberly? Uh, I did have Eberly, and uh, I I tossed him because he wasn't. I needed to make room for. Uh, 
I need to make room. I think I needed to make room for another goaltender because I have Dreger on IR. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I needed points, so I had to do Rough. it. That would have been nice keeping Everly. The dude's been picking it up over there. Yeah, but, you know, I had to think long-term, though, too, because, you know, Seattle, I, I, I'm doubtful. That's how I think is long-term. That's why I was That's why I was contemplating the Natchez trade, because he usually gets better as the season goes on. Yeah, but, you know, David Pasternak always puts up the goal, so, I mean, like, it would be good to have Pasternak. But then he's sharing that power with um, Marshand and uh, – whatever other clowns they have over there. Jeez. Yeah, but then I would lose Braden Point, who would put up probably 30 goals on the season plus. Exactly. Yeah, you can't risk that. So, yeah, I, can't, I don't think I'm making that trade. It just doesn't uh, seem like a fair deal to me. And, of course, on the other end of the, end of the spectrum, he's going to be like, oh, it's so dumb you turned down this great trade. <laughs> little, little, little. <laughs> That's coming from our lightning group, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I figured this much. Yeah, but that's all I got for the evening. We'll catch back up on Friday. Absolutely. Is there... Yeah, Friday and recovering. Jeez, we got three there. We got about 12 there. Get about four there. So we're sitting at like 20 games, I think. Let's see how many, 20, 28, 35, 34, 35 games. Whew. Got a lot, got a lot of cover. Yeah. Um, but that's all I got. You got anything, man? Nothing much. Only, only stuff else I have is um, tonight's games, obviously, because today is Monday. We got a couple of final scores that came through. The Blackhawks finally won something. Um, five to one over the Senators. Bolts come out with a big one, three to two over the Capitals. And we have just starting the third period. We got Oilers three, Kraken two. Um, looks like 19 minutes left in the third. Could be a fun one to watch. Find it on ESPN Plus. Yeah, just uh, keep on the lookout. Bali Sports, I know, is doing something with uh with their games i don't know if that'll do anything for your streaming but yes check out youtube tv uh be you'll be able to watch your all your games that you want especially espn plus hulu gets live sports um they've made their bundle um you can watch your espn games through hulu as well so check that out but i got nothing left man you got anything for those of you guys playing hockey out there, whether you're in the street, in a gym, in the woods, I'm not even joking. I saw it again. However y'all want to do it, just just play the game. Whether you're in the street, never forget. Crash the net.